Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And today I will be presenting you with a case for our fan pick week. Yeah. I have a very special fan picker, but I'm going to tell you about it afterwards. I like that fan picker. Fan picker. Not yeah. like a butt picker. It's just <laughs> different. They picked this case for us, but I'm not going to tell you why or who it is until the end. Oh, okay. So Fun. Hang on to your hats, everyone. I'm holding mine right now. And it's a Michigan case. Okay. And okay. I'm not going to lie, little personal story. This is is the case of um, the murder of Trooper Kermit Fitzpatrick. Oh. And it actually happened in 1991. But just recently, my oldest son informed me that he's enrolled in early middle college right now in high school for um, criminal justice. But he informed me that he is going to pursue the Michigan State Trooper uh, oh. track. Oh, wow. And wow. so it actually ended up being very difficult for me to research and to cover, and I'm terrified. I know a lot of parents would probably be very proud to hear that their child wants to do something so such a service to the community and admirable, but right now with what's going on in our world. Uh, yeah, it's an way, uncertain time. It, it, is, it is. It is. It scares me, and just in general. We work a lot with police officers in our line of work. And so we know what great people that they are. We know their families behind them and how each day is so uncertain for them. And I, it just scares me oh, to I, yeah. think of my son who will be graduating next year. So it's not like this is like he's 11 Years away and has and lots of time to change his mind. We're talking he's starting to make plans for that. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, this one this one hits me a little I'm bit. sure. It's probably a loaded situation because, like you said, it's a respectable career. It's honorable. But then in the times we're in, there's just a lot of uncertainty yeah. around it. And I know he really um, wants to work for the state of Michigan because both of his parents parents do I just talk to myself in the third person (laughs) his dad I like his dad and I both work for the state of Michigan and so he he has yeah that's that's kind of adorable I know I know I just wish that it's like oh great couldn't you be a surveyor I mean yeah that's respectable could we serve the state in another way that's not as dangerous (laughs) right please so yeah, prayers for me, man. I am, for I'm, sure. I'm struggling here. but So, yes, Trooper Kermit Fitzpatrick was a Michigan State police officer. He was born January 29th, 1961, and there is very little information at all. So forgive me because I, I'm sure he had wonderful parents. I just don't know who created him and put him on this earth. Oh, He okay. was a very good-looking man. Oh, yes. His name is Kermit, and I love that. I know. Me, too. He was commonly known as Big Kerm. Oh my gosh, I love it. Because he was athletic, very tall. We will, we're going to get to it. He graduated from Highland Park High School in Highland Park, a suburb of Detroit. He was extremely athletic. Really, he played high school in football, loved football, played intramural 
football went during his time as a student at Western Michigan University. Oh, okay. And his football, his intramural football team called themselves the Mob Squad. I like it. I just it. thought that was cute. He was also an, a resident advisor, an RA in college, and described by everyone who spoke about him in various times of his life from high school to college to then his professional career as a state trooper. Uh, uh, seriously, everyone described him as a gentle giant Aww. because he was, he was extremely athletically built. And a lot of people actually say, said that he looked a lot like Barry Sanders. Okay. Yeah. So he was not only athletic, he had the feelings too. He did. He was he a was sensitive guy. Always smiling, laughing, and very quiet. Like he was just one of those people that just surprised, from what I could gather, what people were writing about him, is that he, for his size and how he potentially, because of his size, could have intimidated people, he was the, one of the kindest men you will ever know. He sounds like a perfect male specimen. I know. And he looks like one too. It was just, uh. also, given his size and his athletics, athleticism, he was a boxer. Of course. Mm -hmm. And he enjoyed boxing at the Livonia Boxing Club, where he um, first did it amateurly. And then as he grew into his profession uh, as a state trooper, he was also going competitively to be a professional boxer. Oh, wow. Um, he actually was a Golden Gloves champion, which if you don't know what that is, it's an ambul an, annual blah blah, an annual competition for amateur boxers. So he had so he won. Was good. Yeah. yeah. He had won that amateur boxing competition and and was a golden glove. That's awesome. Yes. This though, this is the, my all-time favorite and you're it's going to crush you so just All warn right. You, especially your mama heart. Okay. I'm going to hold on to my uh my tits here. You should. And that's a that's a tall order right there, my friend. So hold tight. While in college, he entered a tough man competition. He lost a front tooth, but won the competition, which won him $2,500. The whole reason why he wanted to enter it and do it, and he did it secretly, by the way, behind his mama's back, was so he could buy his mama TV. Oh. I told he you. Is so perfect. Right? Yes. This and is so he, sad already. And he did. He bought his mama a TV. Could you imagine entering a competition where you know you're going to get your ass kicked just to be able to just, buy your mama yeah. TV? Oh, that is like the utmost loyalty. I just, that tells you everything you need to it know, does. right? Sometimes with our victims, there are certain sentences that you and I will say, and it's like, this tells you what type of person. This, this one small snippet that we know of all their experiences in life. This shows you. Right yeah. there. What kind of person he was. Mm -hmm. He was also an army reservist in the 70th Infantry Division in the late 1980s. So he was on the, in the army reserves as well. Um, he was a part, a graduate of the 101st Trooper Recruit for state troopers. And even in his recruiting class, he was called a gentle giant in Big Kerm. I, I like, just love I like Big Kerm. Me too. It is so adorable. I am also feeling compelled to call him Kermy. Uh, absolutely. It's just it just and when you feels right. See his face, you're just gonna be like, oh, 
Do you have a picture of I them? do, and we'll post it to our for our socials okay. as well. But I can't click back currently, so I'll have to show you in a minute. In uh, a that's while. okay. I, I shall be patient. So let me take you to July 7th, 1991. So he would have been 30 years old because he was born January 29th, 1961, like I said. And um, he was working on Jeffrey's Highway in Detroit, Michigan, just doing what was often called a routine traffic stop. Okay. Um, he noticed a vehicle speeding. It was a blue Ford Mustang. And it's, it was approximately 8.30 a.m. It was a Sunday morning. And he stopped the 1982 blue Ford Mustang on Jeffrey's Freeway, which is I-96, is what you and I would okay, know got gotcha. at in the Detroit area, near Joy Road in Detroit. I know right where that is. Like, we go by, we drive by all the time. Uh-huh. It's so, this is just like so close to home, you know, hearing oh, about this. It's going to get so close to home that you're going to be like, your mind will be blown. So hold on to that. After using his patrol car PA system to direct the Mustang's driver to a safe position on the freeway shoulder, Trooper Fitzpatrick left his patrol car and approached the driver to make contact. Just as Trooper Fitzpatrick took a position standing what they believe is either just behind or next to the driver's door, as you do and have them roll down the window, the driver raised a twenty-two caliber semi-automatic pistol and fired six rapid shots. Oh. One shot hit Trooper Fitzpatrick's jaw. Two bullets entered his upper left chest, and one hit his right leg above the knee. His bulletproof vest did stop the other two shots that were fired. Oh, my gosh. The suspect fled the scene, and passersby attended to Trooper Fitzpatrick Detroit police officers transported him to Henry Ford Hospital. I know. I know. (laughs) Where he was pronounced dead at 8.53 a.m. So this traffic stop stopped at 8, or was at 8.30, and he was was pronounced dead at 8.53. I I always struggle with these. Like, why does that seem like the reasonable option? Oh, especially when you hear why he did this. Why he didn't like first of all we'll get to it but I, I won't jump in right now but okay yeah it's it's ridiculous it's mm-hmm. the Detroit police homicide squad att- assisted by state police detectives quickly developed a suspect Douglas Darius McGuire age 20 of Royal Oak Douglas Darius doesn't even flow I'm sorry did I say Douglas Darius Yes. I'm sorry. I made up the word Douglas. Oh. It's not in my notes. <laughs> um, I'm glad because that's a horrible name. Uh, weird that I feel like I'm grounded in reality, but I totally just made up that name. When you hear his real name, you're going to be like, where the fuck did you get Douglas? It's not even close. Oh, that's great. I'm glad I said something because I was like, oh, Me that's too. horrible. Because then when I later when I say his real name again, you would have been like, who's that? His name is Stephen Darius McGuire. Stephen Douglas. You can see how I reached that. So close. What? So close. Oh, that's hilarious. I was just like, a a day in the life, guys. This is what it's like to to live with Charnel. That is great. No, no. This 
freaking turd stain's name is Stephen okay. Darius McGuire. Okay. He was 20 at the time of Royal Oak, Michigan. Investigators learned that Stephen had taken the blue Mustang from his mother without permission, which means he fucking stole it. Right. And he had also stolen the 22 pistol and other guns that he had burglar oh wow burglarized from a neighbor's house that is why he shot him because he had stolen goods in that vehicle and the oh vehicle was stolen from his own mother and he thought that's why he was being pulled over he wasn't he was being pulled over for speeding so he was essentially just He's a punk kid. Yes. That stole stuff. It, yes. It was in Ian to, to Trooper Fitzpatrick. It was just a routine. So he had no idea that no. this kid had stolen things. No. Or had stolen uh, weapons in the vehicle. He had none of that. Hence the dangers of being a freaking police oh officer. Oh my God. You don't know what you're walking up no. to. No. And right now, so many people want to bash police officers day in and day out and Yes, there are bad ones. There are. But there are bad there ones. There are way more good ones that you don't even realize what they face on a, on the daily. And I was reading comments from people who have been who had been pulled over by this man and how kind he was and gentle he was and how a lot of times if it was speeding and it wasn't dangerous speeding, mm-hmm. he would let them go with just like a be careful Aww. out there because your family wants you home safe. That's adorable. Yes, just like a reminder. One guy had wrote this memorandum thing that he remembered um, being pulled over by him just before Thanksgiving, or excuse me, on Thanksgiving Day. And he was like, you know, your family needs you on Thanksgiving. Like, you need to. um, So he'd give them like the wholehearted lecture, like, like, be safe. And this guy said, you know, well, I'm sorry you have to work. On Thanksgiving Day. And he's like, that's okay. My family will eat with me when I get home. Like my, they'll wait for it's me. It's like they're like bonding over being that, pulled over. That's another thing that people said about him was how easy he connected with people. He was super, super well. He's, what do I want to say? Ironic what's about to come out of my mouth when I just struggled so terribly with that sentence. But he was a wonderful communicator. Okay. And he could connect and communicate with people like no other. And it was obvious. So this that comment, I was I had read that comment in a forum. But then other people piped in with being pulled over by this guy. In these comments were like years later that they remembered being pulled over by this guy and like clearly had heart to heart conversations with him while uh, they're on the side of the road. It sounds like I would have like felt blessed to get a ticket from him. Like, thank you. Well, that one guy that was talking about Thanksgiving and he's like, don't worry about me. My family will wait for me and we'll have dinner when I get home. He said it was it, it was only a couple of years later. He's like, that's one of his last Thanksgivings that he had with his family. And when I heard about him. Um, his passing, you know, I, I remembered him. Yeah. I I remembered him pulling me over, and now every Thanksgiving he thinks of him. Oh, that's so sweet. He I sounds know. like an amazing guy. I know. And then in this freaking shit smear, <laughs> God, 
This is, I'm not even tired. So I, don't even I feel like I would have, if he was like, I'm going to let you slide. He was so sweet. I probably would have been like, no, you write me that ticket. Right. I deserve it, sir. I deserve mm-hmm. this. Today. I was breaking the law. Yeah. You go home to your family. I, I'll write myself yes, the ticket. Right. Right. Uh, he sounds like just wonderful. Well, so that, so this is why he gets shot is because this shit stain has this little turd he decided is. to steal some guns in a car yep yep <sighs> he is nothing but a little freaking diarrhea little streak in someone's underwear yes yep had stolen his mom's car and stolen some guns and other property from his neighbor and was on on the run now after the shooting you want to know where mcguire went i do he drove to hillsdale county <gasps> oh my god really he did where he abandoned, that's in Michigan, if you don't know, where he abandoned the blue Mustang and stole another car at gunpoint. He then drove to Napoleon, Ohio, where he ran out of gas because this motherfucker isn't even smart enough to pull over and get himself some gas. After a motorist picked him up hitchhiking, he runs out, so he runs out of gas after he had stole the other, the second vehicle. Oh, my gosh. Gets picked up hitchhiking. Okay, now this is scary. He tried to rob the guy who had picked him up at gunpoint, and he shot, like, he fired several shots into this vehicle with this guy who had picked him up to give him a ride. Okay, the guy did live. He did not die. There was a scuffle inside, of course, the vehicle as he's trying to get the gun, like, away from him, and the guy is not named. I do not know this man's name. But they both eventually just end up running from the vehicle, so... The, the driver for his life and the hitchhiker just trying to get away from him. Oh well, my gosh. the Henry County Sheriff's deputies arrested McGuire in a nearby field soon after this incident where he had nearly killed a second person and um, talk had, about was like running. Hand serving, you know, your red flags yeah. to get caught. Well, yeah, because the guy ran and called the police. Uh, yeah, I would think so. But also. <laughs> The people that they he robbed in Hillsdale County, the second vehicle from, also called the police. So they are so on he's a, trail. a trail. He is. Yeah. He's leaving a trail of where he's headed. He's headed south. You know, Doug, after Douglas Darius is not too bright. <laughs> Douglas Darius. That's so true. We don't really give a crap what his actual name is. He <laughs> should Douglas just be Darius. Douglas Darius. Still baffled by where I came up with that. It did not take long for little turd smear to confess. They had, you know, they, it was, had him. Pre- yeah, they had him. They got a, a um, full confession out of him regarding the murder of Trooper Fitzpatrick, and they were able to recover the murder weapon as well. So he waived his, like, extradition proceedings from Ohio, because remember, he's in another state now. Yeah. From Ohio and was transferred to the Wayne County Jail in Detroit. And before I tell you of, like, how he was convicted or things like that, let me tell you about how he robbed that second vehicle oh please do this is in the words this is an actual story from the person who that he was robbed so i'm reading it in first person from their from their writing okay with special permission july 7th 1991 i had just returned home from a camping trip and dropped my girlfriend off at her home and planned on returning to pick her up after unpacking my car sure you know get a shower have yourself a little snack get situated then go back, pick up the girlfriend. I pulled up to my house that was located in the quiet farm town of Pittsburgh, Michigan. Oh, my. OMG. Mm-hmm. 
We always left our doors unlocked and never worried about anyone invading our home. I started unpacking my car and entered the house with my suitcase in hand. I then saw my grandmother lying on the couch sleeping. He lived with his grandmother at the time, the author did. I shut the front door only to have my grandmother ask me to leave it open because of the heat. This is 1991. I feel like it was hotter then. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do you remember (laughs) the summer heat when we were younger? It was rough on the undercarriage (laughs) for sure. It really was. And grandma was not having it. A 90 summer Michigan July. Nope. Yep. yep. Say no more. Yep. I sweat just thinking about it. Me too. And it's the middle of the winter right now. And uh, so he opened. It's like I opened the door and turned to pick up my bag. The door suddenly slammed shut behind me. I turned around, and in front of me was a man holding a pistol to my head. Oh, my gosh. Threatening to shoot me if I did not turn over the keys to my grandmother's car. I told the man, relax, I'll give you the keys to my car. After we located the keys, I was able to calm the man by asking him if he was hungry or if he needed anything. Two good questions when someone's upset. Yep. Hungry, angry, tired. Yes. Let's cover all the bases. How can I fix this? I explained to him that I had been in trouble before, hoping to build a little rapport with him as he ate. I searched for any opportunity to take this guy out, but was unsuccessful. The man kept his distance from me. After he finished eating, he removed the phone from our wall and took money off the dining room table. I can't believe he stayed to eat. He did. And fixed him a peanut butter sandwich. Wow. He wore a long black trench coat. The man pointed his gun at me once again and said, I'm going to take you out to the barn and shoot you. And remember, Grandma is in the house, too. Yeah. Yeah. As we walked out, I told my grandmother I loved her. Oh, my gosh. And not to open the door again. We made our way to the barn, which the man must have scoped out prior since he already knew that there was another phone in the barn. Remember phones in barns? That was a Can thing. we go back to that? I know. I really... No, because now we carry them around on us. Oh, that's true. There is a phone we in don't... the barn if we're in the yeah, barn. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it was a good time, it though. It just really was. He ordered me to remove the phone from the wall while keeping the gun to my head. I began to give him some shit. I was young and cocky and not knowing he Why was a not? killer. Why not? I mean, he didn't, right, at this point in time, all he knows is that he's got a gun and he wants to steal the car. Right. He has no idea that he had just killed a trooper. He has no clue at this time. Things turned quickly when he reminded me how serious he was with a swift pistol whip to the forehead. Ah, ouch. Yep. I removed the phone from the wall and handed it to him. The man turned and walked out of the barn and told me, when you call the cops, tell them cop killer was here. Oh, wow. The man climbed into my grandmother's car, which she pulled into the driveway for him, and she had left $300 in the ashtray. When he began to leave, I ran as fast as I could to the house and grabbed my Remington 3006. As he pulled out of the driveway, I was able to fire three rounds off at him before my grandmother pulled me to the ground. We headed to the neighbor's home to use their phone and to contact the police. While giving the description of the man to the state troopers, I heard them say, This sounds like the man who killed a state trooper today. It wasn't until later that I found out the man killed was Trooper Kermit Fitzpatrick. Oh, wow. Yes. And now this is where I will tell you where our fan pick came from. 
This is actually a story from fan picker Michael Lennox, who is the cousin to my husband. What? Is he the one that told the story? He is. <gasps> oh my God. That is his story that I just read to you. It was his grandmother whose car was stolen. Oh, that gives me chills. It was him who was pistol whipped in the forehead. And he was young at this point in time. I think that he is, if I remember my family history right, I think he's only a year older than my husband. And so, I mean, he would have been just right out of high school at this point in time, trying to talk this guy down. You know, that is so scary, too. Um, My father's words ringing in my head because I will completely throw myself under the bus growing up. you know, getting out on my own. I was so naive. I mean, we're from small town area. I would leave my door unlocked all oh, the no. time. Yeah. And my dad was always on me. Like, what if you come home mm-hmm. and you get in there and there's somebody and you can't get out or, you know, just all the time. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Now I'm obviously very cautious. I mean, we do true crime. So, right. But right. growing up, just being a kid, like I didn't, it was small town. A lot of people don't lock their doors. Yeah. I still know many that don't. Yeah. And it just wasn't a thing I worried about. It's, yeah. It was a small, it's our small town. Nothing happens. But this is this, like, okay, it, is. it could happen it to could happen. anybody. Well, and this over Christmas dinner, my dad was, he was very, I mean, he's not wrong, but he was like, yeah, if somebody wants into your house, locking your door is not really going to stop them. <sighs> I'm like, there is that. Thanks, Dad. I'm going to sleep great tonight. Merry Christmas. Right? I mean, those thoughts have crossed my mind, too. I know. Yes, that but. is why we need no more than three gun cases in our bedroom with us. Knives, samurai sword, probably some throwing stars. Wouldn't hurt to have some nunchucks. I'm thinking. And pepper spray. And, and surveillance around the perimeter. Absolutely. Like, I've, I am thinking about getting myself a camera. A moat? Yeah. Probably oh, isn't going oh too far. <laughs> Cameras and a moat? a moat? That would totally stall someone. Yes. If and I'll see- hear them splashing through the river before they come. I'm going to give my neighbors a heads up if you see me out there digging. Digging a trench. Biz, <laughs> right. I'm just securing my, my home. Your perimeter. I can yes. see you digging digging a pit and like your hose, your water hose, garden hose is just <laughs> running into it. it like, I'm making a moat, guys. Do, doing a neighborly wave. Yes, yes. in your Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, it sounds reasonable to me, it Amber. It does. It does. It, re- it really does. So I will tell you that Darius, what I call him? Darius Douglas. Yeah, Darius Douglas, who's actually Stephen Douglas McGuire, was found guilty of first-degree murder by a jury of 12 of his peers. Good. On uh, January 6th, 1992, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And he continues to serve his sentence in Michigan, Max Security uh, Prison. You might find it interesting to know that he had two previous offenses, one for breaking and entering with possession of stolen property and one for receiving stolen property, both in the late 1980s. And he took a plea deal for both of those. So he took a plea deal for these two offenses and then did it again, breaking and entering, stole guns, and escalated to murder. Wow. Hmm. Perhaps this should be, you know. That's such a shame that he took a good man out for such a stupid. Something so stupid. Yeah. He had already taken pleas for twice before. Probably could have got another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're not going to get murder. I mean, really. So um, 
this year, Kermit Fitzpatrick should have turned 60. And uh, instead, he will forever be 30. That is how old he was when he died. So young, too. And I found this interesting as well. In one article, it said that he was sentenced to life in prison in solitary confinement and with hard labor with no possibility of parole by Judge Leonard Townsend on uh, on January 6, 1992. That sounds brutal. Wow. So it wasn't just a life in prison. This is like, we're going to make sure because you killed a state trooper that your life in prison is never, ever okay. Solitary confinement and hard labor. I couldn't think of anything worse than that. I think that's amazing. Great job, Judge Leonard Townsend. And Trooper Kermit Fitzpatrick was the 41st Michigan State Police Officer to die in the line of duty. Now, if you don't know the answer to this, then edit it. But didn't they change the the rules on solitary? I think so. Okay. But this was 1992. Yeah, so. Okay, but that at the time, mm-hmm. yeah, it could yep. be. I just, so, I remember, I doubt like, he's still in solitary. Right. That, I mean, it was but. a while ago slash not that long ago that I remember hearing that they had, like, changed the solitary because oh, yeah. it's, like, mentally not. Right. But I'm sure that he spent plenty of time in there I'm before, sure he did. He, before any of that was changed. And then if you've spent years and years, how do you reacclimate, reacclimate to general pop when you're not used to being around people? Yeah. I, I couldn't think, honestly, anything worse for no. myself to, yeah, to no. be completely isolated all the time. Yeah. Now my middle son, that's his version of heaven. I was going to say, actually, my son would be completely fine with totally that. Totally fine with it. He'd be like, thank you for the reward. Yes. You know, yes. but for Us, me, I couldn't nope, do it. That would be serious punishment. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about our fan picker about Mike Lennox, because as we're talking about, you know, this and this, the fact that he had the ability, he sat with this man and fed him and tried to find a way to take him out. You guys should know he is a, currently an MDOC, Michigan Department of Corrections officer. And oh, so wow. he works at one of our major prisons currently. He is no softy. Like this dude would get into fights just for fun for the sake of fighting because he knew he could win. So, like, we're not talking about some pansy ass. Soft serve. Yes. No soft serve here, for sure. So, you know, even just the fact that, like, when you think about what would you do in a situation, we can't say exactly what we would do. No. Um, And actually, I've wanted to have him on the podcast to, like, was one of the things we always talk about, we kind of end all the time on, and they were sentenced to life in prison. Has anyone ever given it any thought of, What happens afterwards when those criminals, the worst of the worst, the absolute anal fissures of society, (laughs) right? It's as bad as it gets. There is no worse. The little, the ugly bacteria that you see under microscopes that are eating away at our flesh and things at at various times. Yes. Yes. That's, That's what these people are. And corrections officers, that's who they have to deal I with. I can't imagine day the, in the and trauma day that out, they experience with their job. I mean, it would be really hard to do that job, I think. Um, absolutely. And it's dangerous. He um, He's actually just this year went through something really horrific where he was shanked and injured very, very badly. Oh, my gosh. Um, and like I said, he's a badass. Like, yeah, he takes people down without a problem. So my husband has told me plenty of stories. 
So I was gonna say I've had I've had a lot of prison stories shared with me just through my work. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, like those that have been to prison experience stuff, but the the guards and the, the officers guards. they experience that stuff too. Absolutely. Yes. So. And they know, I mean, they know that these people are horrible. They're the underbelly of society. And that's who they have to deal with. And oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Right. And knowing every one of them would love nothing more than for them to die, those guards to die. They would love nothing more than would, to see them hurt. I would think you'd have to be on alert like all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And I mean, I've hung out with Mike. He's a great guy and is very well adjusted in between his work life and his personal life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's got some great stories, that's for sure. But he's a you know regular family guy, like just not doesn't walk around like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, really, really nice. We talk over messenger a lot. He gave me permission. He's the one that sent me what he had wrote about um his, you know, his first hand experience. He had actually posted that, what I read to you from his first hand experience. He posted on um, Kermit Fitzpatrick's um, in uh, in memory page that oh, wow. the state runs for all fallen state troopers. So I thought that was really cool yeah. because he posted that years ago, but he's a fan of the show. He listens. Yay. Awesome. And he sent that to me and was like, hey, if you ever want to cover this, you know, here it is. And I had hoped to actually have him come, but trying to schedule people to come to do recording times, sometimes with our, the way we willy nilly are like, okay, I'll see you in an hour. Are you yep. ready to record? It makes it difficult. For sure. So all of that was, was shared with his permission. And he is the, I wouldn't have known about Kermit Fitzpatrick and his, how he sacrificed for our state just on the job doing what was considered a routine traffic stop. Um, without him bringing this to our attention. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that he shared the story. It's, I mean, like I said, that is close to home. It makes it more real. and Well, and he had already murdered someone. How easy would it have been for him to just murder Mike, murder his grandmother, and well, yeah. leave with the car? Because he tried with the other person that picked him up. Like, right. I mean. He shot first, asked questions second. Yeah. The first time. So, Oh I my mean, gosh. He re- and then, yeah, and then the other, the hitchhiker who he was trying to rob and it didn't go well, he tried to kill him. Yeah. So it's really. I mean, it's like by the grace of God. Yeah, that, absolutely. And maybe it was because Mike showed him some compassion, invited he, yeah. him to sit down, asked if he was hungry, and I'm sure by then he was hungry, you know. But, Probably. But at any given time, he could have sat there. He could have just killed them and ate their food. He could have. So it is kind of a miracle that I think so too he was spared it's miraculous that him and his grandmother were are both here you know Mm -hmm. well in 1991 but he's still here I I don't think his grandmother is so I'm unclear I should have asked if it was the grandmother that he shares with my husband or the other side of his family I am I'm unsure about which grandmother that it was I think it was his other grandmother not the one that he shared with my husband gotcha well, that's an incredible story, though. Yeah, it really is. So, and now, after I read extensively um, Kermit's story, a couple of times I have went past a, a traffic stop that a police officer was doing, and it just it reminds me of him, and I think, you know, is there ever really just a routine stop for them at any given time 
there this could happen. I mean, he was shot in the jaw first. It's such without a, any warning. Honestly, you know? my heart goes off. It goes off. <laughs> Does it? It goes off. It goes right off. No, it goes out to law enforcement because I mean, I've seen plenty of like the chest cam videos yep. where, you know, they they can be shot and killed or attacked uh, on a stop. Yes. And but then at the same time, I mean, that would put somebody so high alert, but one wrong move and you know, if you draw your gun or do, you know, do yep. something inappropriately, that's your career. You could go to prison. Yeah. So it's just they're put in such difficult places. I agree. It's, it's hence my mama warning or fear over here. I know. Yep. The other thing that I wanted to tell you was the only reason I was able to p- like put as much information as I could about Kermit is because of that in memory page. Oh, there is so. there is no information besides very trivial media coverage of like trooper, you know, shot in line of duty. No personal information. I mean, it was just very blase uh-huh. media coverage of of the tragedy. There is like a memorial sign up where at the site where he oh, passed. That's nice. So, yeah, so you can see that if you're driving down 96 by Joy Road there. But in terms of like finding information about his parents and whatnot. Uh, So I read through comments and comments and comments of people commenting that they went to high school with him. That's how I was able to piece that together, uh, that he was a football player, that what a great gentle giant he was, all of that stuff. So this wasn't a case that was put together by media articles or some coverage that was done on TV or anything like that. It literally was my cousin's story that he brought to me and me looking up on that so if you ever hear this covered on another podcast just know they were ripping the content (laughs) from crime curious because this was never before heard in another podcast you know that's awesome that they did the page so you could know who he was yes you can look that up it's for all any fallen uh trooper that's nice yes yeah but i just love there were so many there were so many great comments just from other people who had suffered whose family they had suffered a loss in their family from their their child or spouse or whatever in the line of duty just you know I didn't know you but thank you for your service and sacrifice sort of thing and yeah so you can you can check that out um it is on the state website so that is an incredible story it's such a shame that this you know happened but it's so it's always so close to home when you know, my husband's cousin lived. Yeah. That. And it was absolutely. right here. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, that was so close to home for us and you'd never heard of it, of that crime happening. Right. And it's hard. You know, when we do cases, there's, I mean, some of them really, they just get you as mm-hmm. you all know, mm-hmm. you know, but there's the separation because we don't know them. So right. when, I mean, we've had people come forward that did know a victim or mm-hmm. did know was around for the crime and it makes it so much more personal Yep. Of, you know, like, oh, my gosh, they they knew the family or they, you know, knew the victim. And it just, it it's very emotional. It is. Yes, absolutely. I don't know if you've ever shared the story about... Diane Pransky. Yes, that is the... Thank you. I'm no, gonna, I haven't. Yeah, you should probably let listeners know that. That was that was really emotional for It was. Us. It was so overwhelming. Um should we share yeah. that? Yeah, I think we should. So Diane Pransky, we did we did the episode a I while. I can't remember back. what episode it was, but it was I can't either, but it's it's been a couple co- months. We covered it, yeah. I think pretty early on in our yeah. podcasting career. It, and it was a survivor story. She was um 
kidnapped and sexually assaulted and um, set on fire. And she was left for dead, but she survived. And so I did her story. We shared it a while back. Well, her daughter ended up somehow hearing our podcast and she reached out and, and said, like, I, I listened to it. I'm going to share it with my mother. <laughs> my heart obviously dropped into my anal cavity. Yes. Because I was like, oh, my God, this is. And then I was so scared. I'm like, I, I, I hope we did it justice. I hope right. that she doesn't, you know, we, sometimes we use our not, humor to cope. And, yes. I hope she's not offended by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up, her and her um, partner, it, they listened to it and they it, it meant a lot to them they said it was you know it was an emotional thing for them and so it just stuff we like got that. the facts right it was so amazing to have feedback that we know we're doing the right research we yeah. got we got all the information correctly you just mispronounced her partner's last name which I you did. know we I did we do that all the time and we apologize for it we, yeah I always throw myself you know yeah We recognize that we don't know all the words. But it just makes it so, like I said, I mean, it's always that that case really, I mean, it was so hard to to see the video footage. Yes. I mean, it was hard enough. If you haven't listened, go back to a previous episode, Diane Pransky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you, you, something like that happens and it's so much more real and it was, it was emotional. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. But then to hear her feedback where she listened to us cover her case, like, yeah. That was that was crazy. And it she was. It's it. still so and surreal. And I yes. haven't shared it. I think it was so surreal. It was like I don't, you know, I didn't want to blast it out on, you know, social media or anything like no, that. Right. But because it was such a personal thing yeah. for us. But right. yeah, it. I think it's appropriate to share that it was very impactful for us to have her daughter April right reach out and yep. yeah, it just meant a lot. Well, true story. Mike sent me this months ago, and I've. I've just been like kind of sitting on it because I wanted him to come on the podcast. I'm like, maybe you should tell your part of the story, you know, and it just didn't work out. But it's I hope that he is happy with how we covered it for him as a fan pick. I think he will be. You did a really good job. And I didn't even know you. You know, you had mentioned (laughs) him before, but I didn't know that this is what you were going to present. Yeah. So I was even taken back when you told me that that's who it was yes I buried the lead on that one a little bit what our who our fan picker was yeah you did a good job very near and dear to me so um I do want to show you a picture of oh yeah I want to see him oh he was a very good looking man very handsome man he was and I can see why they called him big Kerm. I do too it's very fitting he he could be intimidating. I can also see how he was a boxer. You can tell yeah. he's built. He, he looks like he's athletic and Yep. So we'll post that on our socials because you guys all gotta see what a beautiful man he was. So are you ready for a brain bath? I'm ready, yes. I'm going to bring you some embarrassing New Year's Eve stories. I now I'm here for that. If you're a Patreon in our bonus episode for December, there were some embarrassing New Year's Eve and some Christmas stories. These are different. So don't, if you're a Patreon, don't think, well, shit, I already heard this because. Oh, there's nope, more. There's plenty to choose <laughs> from. Yes. So I just picked out a couple of little nugs for you. Okay. Last year. Oh, this is from stylecaster.com. Last year, my boyfriend and I reunited with one of his college besties in Paris. Oh, very nice. Yeah. With his new bride and their six month old baby in a chic, albeit tiny, flat. They invited us over for New Year's Eve 
oysters, and champagne before going to visit a light show. Ultimately, oh, sorry, it says unfortunately, not ultimately. So close. So wow. Close. <laughs> that was better than the Stephen Darius thing that I tried to pull out earlier, whatever it was, Douglas. Um, unfortunately, after arriving, we spent the entire evening listening to their baby scream bloody murder. Mm. Yeah. I don't love it. Get dogs. I've been, I've been this there. This is why you get dogs, not kids. It, it <laughs> is. It really is. Says a mother of four. <laughs> we both sat there nursing flutes of deflated champagne and trying to give helpful baby tips that we'd seen in the movies. Burp her, maybe? I heard wiggling baby's bottoms help. <laughs> I love that, wiggling baby's bottoms. What about a little whiskey in her bottle? <laughs> I mean, it is New Year's. <laughs> it's an old wife's, you know. Yes, right on the gums. Tail or whatever. Yeah. Puts them right to sleep because we are literally drugging them. I have whatever. sadly heard that that was an old remedy. It was. Oh, yeah. I've spoken to many of people with more life experience than I, and they fully admit that they would do that. Yeah, it was a thing. Like, do you realize... <laughs> That's not a remedy. I wouldn't even be surprised if my own mother did right. it to me. Your baby was intoxicated, ma'am. That's why. She passed out. Or she passed it out. It didn't soothe her. No, the oh. next day she had a hangover. Anyway, while really thinking, muffle her with the goddamn pillow already. So they're trying to be she's like, yeah, whiskey in the bottle? Muffler with a pillow. <laughs> Actually, sometimes I'm like that with my husband. Do you need Do you I, need something? Do you need me to get you a water, an ibuprofen, maybe a pillow over your face? <laughs> I'm feeling this moment because I picture it being like, oh, kids will be kids. Right. And inside you're like, shut that child up. Exactly. And I'm trying to enjoy my New Year's yes. Eve and this is what's going on. Oh, yeah. Eventually, we all left tucking the destructor of all things good and fun in her pram. Which is like a... Uh, oh, yeah. That's uh, like the British... Uh, stroller. Yes. Yep. Pram is the British version of a stroller. And as soon as we stepped out into the frosty air, she stopped crying and passed the fuck out in the midst of roaring, drunk Frenchmen and women singing anthems and carols at the top of their lungs. Oh, of course she did. So they sat there in that tiny flat the whole time listening to her screaming and finally we're just like, fuck it, we're just putting her in her stroller and we're going to go outside. And out. that's when she passes out. Of course. I love this. And it ends with, I don't think we even got to have sex that night. Oh, that's a just a cock lousy. Cock. Yeah, that's a lousy New, New Year's, Year's Eve. for sure. And I just <laughs> I love that. Like, you know, wiggle her bum. Whiskey yeah. in her bottle. Pillow over her goddamn face. <laughs> oh, shit. It's it's a horrible place to be when so a friend's precious child right. is crying. And you're trying and, not to be annoyed yes. by it. Mm -hmm. And inside you're like, mm -hmm. dear God, mm -hmm. save me mm -hmm. and please take me away from All this I'm awful asking, place. A lightning strike just yes. right now. Just Meteor right from the sky. Something. Anything. Something very reasonable like that. <laughs> Otherwise, I love kids. I really do. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They're precious. They're, They're precious. so adorable. We recognize them as vulnerable populations. We've oh, we said do, that a lot. For sure. But it doesn't mean we want to be surrounded by them all the time. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. This is the second one. Sorry. That was a bad oh. segue. <laughs> Why I'm not a news anchor. Reason number 751. I'm, I'm going on to the next story now. Okay. I'll never forget New Year's Eve of 97 when I first smoked a cigarette to impress a boy. I even remember my outfit. This is the only reason why I chose this one, by the way, for this right here. 
I even remember my outfit, a copy of one of the one that Cher wore in Clueless. Mm. Oh, yeah. Perfect. You know. The guy that I was crushing on was the most handsome in my school, and everyone loved him, including me. Sadly, it was not requited. He was into another girl, but she was busy puking at that particular moment, so I was good enough to hang out with. We left the party to smoke cigarettes in an alley, and I thought I was finally in. We even went to see Goldeneye the next week, and I truly thought we'd soon be married. But the next week, I couldn't go out because I was busy, and he went to go see beautiful girls with a different girl named Zoe. And just like that, it was over. My time with him was fleeting, but my time with cigarettes lasted a couple more years. Uh, that'll do it. Yeah, just takes one time. It really does. One time and a share outfit from Clueless. Oh, I, I'm sure the outfit was spot on too. Yeah, you know the plaid skirts, the oh, knee yeah. highs, the blazer. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It was wonderful. So. Yeah, I just, I like that. All she got was a cigarette addiction. Right. You left me with an addiction for a couple of years, but that's it. Oh, what a bummer. That's disappointing. It really is. really is. So, on that note. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On that that very depressing note. Right. Brain baths are supposed to be fun. It still gave me a chuckle, though, so that's all that matters. That's what they're there for. I like how she had it written where she was like, he went to see, we went to see Goldeneye, but then I couldn't go out. And the next week he went to see Beautiful Girls with Zoe. Yeah. She wrote her Movie name. hopping. She wrote her name. She was 34 at the time that she wrote it, but I feel like she wrote it like she was back in that oh, time. Yeah, for sure. You know, the way that. We know how those memories the teenagers go. Yeah. Yes, that's for sure. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this very personal episode and. Uh, we hope that you keep it curious and keep listening. Follow us on social media. Send us your requests. We are having We're going in- through them. Intern Jasmine's compiling a list to help us keep organized and on schedule with schedule. them. So we will cover them. And uh, until next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was <laughs> very, that really creepy. Very cartoonish. <laughs> I was what expecting like with a, me? that's like, all, I have issues. I apologize. <laughs> um, wow. I just, I, yeah, I, I apologize for my co-host on that one. <laughs> but I, why am I the way that I am? I don't, I don't know. know. We love you anyway. <laughs> All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>